0: Welcome to the podcast of the vine church in fullerton california for more information visit thevineoc.com now although i'm here leading the service i'm actually on vacation and study leave until the end of july and so i've invited a friend a dear friend to bring the message today gary jones if you don't know Gare, he is the lead pastor of Vintage Church LA, one of our close sister churches, and they're just doing an amazing work in LA, and uh, Gare's just been a friend for many years, and he's also the regional leader of our family of churches, and he's just an amazing pastor and leader and friend, so we're just so blessed to have him here with us, and I know you'll be blessed, but with that said, let me pass it over now to Gare. Hey, the Vine Church, it's Gare here from Vintage, good to see you. And it's a great delight to be with you again and to be uh, diving into God's word together. So hope you're well, many blessings from us here at Vintage to you guys. And we're just so glad to be in this together and uh, worshipping together and serving Christ together. As we turn to God's word now, we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 3 and looking specifically at how Paul challenges us to change to become more like Christ, to leave behind the old ways before we met Christ and to enter into the life he has for us. But specifically this, this morning, we're going to be looking at the question, how do we change? How do we change? And so if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Colossians chapter three, beginning in verse one. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you, Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behaviour, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric uncivilized, civilised, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be his holy people, he loves. You must clothe yourselves with tender hearted mercy. and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. May we pray quickly. So Father, we thank you for this word. Pray that as we study it, as we meditate on it, that your spirit would animate it and that we may become more like Jesus. We may begin to journey and go deeper in our journey to leave behind the old way before we knew you and to step into who we now are in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul lays out for us the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. He says, your new life is now hidden in him. You no longer live the old life. You no longer are known by your old life. But now in Christ, you're born again. You're new. Your life is now hidden in him. And therefore, you are to live into who you now are, into love, into peace, into humility, to leave behind the old ways of anger and rage and malice. Paul is calling us to change. Paul is calling us to live into Christ-likeness. I don't know about you, but the last few weeks and months, it's reminded me how much I need to change. The stresses of lockdown, the stresses of what's happening in our nation right now, have all revealed in me, and maybe you too, kind of the fractures in my own life. The stresses, the hurts, the wounds the attitudes I want to leave behind, and I want to change. I'm reminded of that phrase, transformed people transform the world. Jesus says you are to be salt and light, and as he transforms us, we are salt and light to the world. We are a renewing influence in the world, but it begins here. Our calls for justice, our calls for equality, our calls for unity don't begin With calling out others, they begin by calling out ourselves. Paul is calling us to change. I've been significantly kind of challenged in my own heart with where I want to change by doing a course over the last couple of months called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by the amazing Pete and Jerry Schizero. In this book, they describe what it means to live into who we are now in Christ. And they have a checklist at the start of their book to kind of give us and give me in particular, as I read it, kind of a reality check of how am I doing? And where do I want to change? Where do I need to change? And I'm going to read this checklist down and encourage you uh, to kind of put, give yourself a little score, maybe or next to each one of is this me? Or have I got some way to go like I felt? This is their checklist. I am deeply convinced that I am loved by Christ, so I don't inappropriately borrow that love from others. I love my neighbor as I love myself, embracing my singleness as I bond with others, or my marriage and give first priority to it and my children. I'm able to leave my family of origin and function as an inner-directed, separate adult. I am deeply in tune with my emotions and feelings. I'm able to listen with empathy without having to fix, change or save others. I can speak clearly, honestly and respectfully on my own behalf. I can express anger, hurt and fear without blaming, appeasing or holding grudges. I value my own dignity as a human being made in God's image through self-respect and self-care. I walk in community while respecting each other's uniqueness. I can receive criticism without becoming defensive. I can state my own beliefs and values without becoming adversarial. I live in truth, not pretense, spin illusions or exaggerations. I embrace my limits as a gift. I am able to negotiate, respect and celebrate differences. I am willing to initiate and repair relationships as much as possible when they have been ruptured. I think that checklist could go on and on. And as I read it, my reactions were multiple. At first, I felt humbled. Oh, my Lord, I've got such a long way to go. I felt dissatisfied. I thought, Lord, I want to be this. It's exhausting not not being like this. I don't want to be bitter or unforgiving. I don't want to be defensive. This is an exhausting way to live. I want to be free of those things. And I felt attracted I felt, oh, Jesus, is this possible? I want this for me. I want to live this kind of life. And wouldn't it be amazing as a church to step into this kind of life? And wouldn't it be amazing for the church to live out this way of life to the city around us? This is the life of Jesus. This is the change that Jesus calls us to. But how do we change? Paul summarizes in this passage not only the call to change but how to change and the how to change is based on two fundamental principles that he gives us in this passage two truths that are the the road to change in your life and my life these two truths are this first of all change is possible and secondly there is a dynamic to change. Believe it's possible and understand the dynamic of how Christ changes you. So first of all believe change is possible. Change is possible. Change begins by faith. By believing that this is not as good as it gets that we're just stuck with the way we are but change begins with faith. That change is possible. In verse one, he says, you have been raised to new life with Christ. He says, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you have died to this old life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is now your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. Down in verse 10, Paul then says, now put on your new life, put on your new nature in Jesus Christ. See, Paul begins the process of change by reminding the Colossians and reminding you and me that change is possible because change is simply becoming who you now already are in Jesus Christ. Change is not becoming something you're not or someone you're not. If we believe change is becoming someone other than who we are, then we will give up hope. And we'll shrink back to a false sense of authenticity. Well, this is just who I am. This is me. I can't do anything about it. I was born this way. I'm a product of my background and that's just who I am. My parents were like this. I guess it's just the way I am to be. You know the saying, a leopard can't change its spots. So yeah, this is just my nature. I can't change my nature. Paul says, you're right. (laughs) You can't change your nature. But Jesus has, that when you came to Christ, he changed your nature. He gave you his life, his DNA. That you are now, he says, your new life is in Christ. The reality of who you are now is a child of God. Your old nature has been put to death on the cross. And Jesus has given you his likeness. Jesus put it this way. You are born again. That you are a new creation, Paul says in Romans and Corinthians. He says, the old is gone, the new has come. Therefore, change is not trying to become something you're not. It's stepping into who you are in Jesus Christ. It's cultivating the DNA that now Christ has put within you. Paul says, now, don't you realize all of you have Christ within you. When you come into being a follower of Jesus, you are born again. The old has gone, the new has come, you are a new person. And the rest of discipleship is becoming who you already are, becoming in reality, exterior, Who you are on the inside. Change is now possible because it's who you are. To change is not to receive a character transplant, but character cultivation. You have everything in you because Christ is in you. He's taken out the curse of sin in your life and he's replaced it with his righteousness. He's replaced the presence of any evil or darkness with his own presence. And so now change is possible, change is hopeful, and your best days are ahead. Because to change is to live into your authentic self in Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, take off the false self. Like This is like clothing that doesn't fit you anymore. Rage, anger, malice, you can still wear it and carry it from the old wardrobe, but it doesn't fit you anymore. You've got a new set of clothes. In your new identity, you've had an extreme makeover. You've got a new set of clothes, and these fit perfectly. They're not ill-fitting. These are the clothes that now fit you. Love and patience, humility, kindness, courage, strength, peace. These are your new clothes that fit The old ones no longer fit so let's get rid of them to change is to become your authentic self this is deeply encouraging to me because when I look at the things that I want to change in my life I look at the things I think oh lord I wish I could get over that habit get over that hurt get over that feeling that attitude that behavior if I feel it's something that's not me down to my core I feel oh my word I don't know if this will ever happen because it's just not me but it's deeply hopeful to remind ourselves that actually who I authentically am is a son of God, that I have the DNA of Christ's character in me as seeds, that the old roots of evil are gone. I have new seeds that now are to be cultivated. And when they're cultivated, it's inevitable that the new fruit of Christ's likeness will grow. So I want to encourage you, No matter how long you've carried some of the old clothing in your life, fear, anxiety, defensiveness, exaggeration, insecurity, worshipping people's opinions, living life by your performance, all these things that we can be trapped in, this is not who you are. This is the old clothing of the old self. And becoming who you are in Jesus Christ is possible. Because it is the DNA that Christ has put in you. So change is possible. And then secondly, Paul says, understand the dynamic of change. See, we can think change is possible, but we also have to understand the dynamic of change. We often get the dynamic wrong. I mean, I do. Sometimes I think, you know what, I'm just going to try really hard. Paul says, put on and put off. And it feels like he's just saying in your own strength, just stop being like that by willpower, and start being like this by willpower. But that's not true. That's not what Paul is saying. In context, for all of Paul's letters, he's saying to put off and to put on is the goal, but not the process. Willpower is never the engine of transformation into Christ's letters. But neither is it just to receive from from Christ. Neither is it to receive a download of Christ's character. We don't just have prayer ministry, oh Lord, transform me from this to this in an instant. God can do anything he wants. And we've seen miracles, we believe in the power of Jesus Christ by his spirit. But the normative way in scripture that the Holy Spirit grows us is is not by just telling us to stop it, and is not by going, sit back and I'll do it for you. But the normative way is through cooperation with the Holy Spirit is to actually make space in your life for the Holy Spirit to heal what's going on on the inside and to cultivate and to bring out the DNA that Christ has planted in us. This is why it says in chapter 2, and we didn't really see it, but in chapter 2 it says, uh, oh, I've lost my place. Hang on. (laughs) In chapter 2 he says this, Let your roots grow down into Christ and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong and you will overflow with thankfulness. You see the connection here. He's saying, grow your roots into Christ and the fruit of that will be thankfulness. The fruit of that will be growth. Jesus put it in a different way. In John chapter 15, he said... He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, willpower ain't going to cut it. Yes, you are already in Christ. You already are a son and daughter of Jesus Christ. Change is possible because it's becoming who you authentically are on the inside. But to cultivate that is not by willpower. To cultivate that is to allow the presence of Christ to fill you. To allow his presence to. To heal the wounds from the past, to allow His presence to encourage you and to build you up, to put your roots into Him, to actually rebuild your life and your thinking on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying for transformation, reorder your life around the presence of Jesus, reorder your life that you make space for Him to heal, to renew to give you new ways of thinking around the truth, not the lies of the past. It makes sense then, doesn't it, of what now Paul says in verse 16 of what we read earlier. See, before verse 16, he's just saying, look, the goal is to put off the old life and to put on the new. The goal is to not be a people like this, but to be a people like this. And in verse 16, he explains a bit of the process of abiding in Christ, of allowing the presence of Christ to change you on the inside. He says this, let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives us. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Do you see what he's doing? He's isolating some of the ways that we connect into the presence of christ he's going if you want to put off the old self and put on the new true self then practice these exercises of connecting into jesus he says feed on scripture let the message of christ fill you he says be in community talk to each other about the truth we all have blind spots right and we can deceive ourselves but we need other people around us, trusted friends, to speak into our lives. He says, worship, sing and and make melody in your hearts. And he says, worship, that's an activity you experience the presence of God. He then says, give thanks. Exercise thanksgiving is an exercise. All of these exercises, these spiritual practices, connect us to the presence of Jesus Christ. And of course, these are just three or four he's mentioned throughout church history. The church has enjoyed a rich, a rich variety of spiritual practices that make space in our lives for the spirit of Jesus to heal us and to renew us and transform us. You will have heard of many prayer, silence, fasting, solitude, Sabbath, retreat, etc, etc, etc. Now, for years, I heard this list and I thought, oh, you know, I like a bit of that. I like worship. I like enjoying the presence of God, but all the rest sound dreadful. You know, I'm too busy for that. They sound boring. Um, I want to be, I want to do something for Jesus. I don't want to go on silent retreat. That sounds awful. And I realized over the years that actually the reason I was not celebrating these spiritual practices was because I misunderstood their purpose. I was not engaging in spiritual practices because I thought the spiritual practices were ends in of themselves. That if I just do this, then I'll change. And I'd fast and all I'd get was hangry. (laughs) You know, I would go on retreat and I'd just get bored. I'd kind of sneak the golf clubs in the back of the car. You know, um, Sabbath was like, oh my word, this sounds so boring. And it's because I was seeing these practices as an end in of themselves, as opposed to using these exercises to pull me away from the busyness of life, to pull me away from the lies of the enemy, to pull me away from the old habits and actually connect me into Christ's presence, make space for him. Pete Cazaro in his book, Emotionally Healthy, Spirituality said this, he said, These practices don't save us, but they are indispensable for growth. Think of it this way. We are not saved by reading the Bible. We are not saved by prayer. We are not saved by worship. We are saved by trusting in Jesus Christ alone, who died for our sins and rose from the dead. But if we are not routinely reading scripture, praying or encountering God in worship, it is unlikely we are growing much spiritually. A spiritual practice is an essential Delivery mechanism for God's grace and goodness in our lives. Over the past two years, doing this Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, they've encouraged us to press into practices, not as an end in of themselves, but practices to make space in our inner heart, in our lives, for the presence of Christ to transform us. One of the practices has been silence. And I gotta say, it's been so hard just to sit in silence and allow this Holy Spirit to work. It's been one of the essential practices of the Christian church for centuries, but it's been very, um, it's been forgotten recently. And not many people practice it. But as I practice it, I realize why people don't like to practice it. Because in silence, we actually enter into the reality of where we are in our faith, in our walk with Christ. In silence, we allow the pains, I certainly have, the pains of the things I've been hiding, I've been burying, I've been shoving under the carpet that they start to creep out. And it's in the silence that the truth is revealed of truly what's going on in my heart. And the truth is always where healing begins. And it's in the silence truth is revealed and God can start to do his work. I've now, after a couple of months, started to really enjoy silence, just to sit, try not to be distracted, and just to be attentive to what's going on in my soul. One other practice there, inviting us to step into a Sabbath, to take a time of the week that you don't work, but you delight in soul care, Delight in the presence of God. And obviously, what you do in the Sabbath is all is really down to your personality and what refreshes you in your walk with Christ and you as a, a child of God. And I'm gonna start practicing that. I'm gonna start entering into what does it mean to actually put away the busyness? I overfunction, I overwork at times, to put aside the time to actually delight and rest in God and to stop the busyness to stop the messianic complex, I've got to save everything and save everyone. And to take time aside to enjoy the sovereignty of God in all things. And to enjoy his presence. And begin to heal and renew me in new ways. There are so many areas which I myself am starting to go, you know what? I need to make more space for Jesus. I love reading his Bible. I love... Quiet times, I love the word, but I've realized actually God is calling me to step into a more holistic, rearranging my whole life around the presence of Christ and allowing that presence to heal and renew and transform me from the inside. I would love to encourage you to make space in your life for the presence of Christ, to heal, to change and to renew. Change is possible. Your best days are ahead. You are a child of God. You have a new DNA. The hope is we can put off the old self. Aren't you tired of the old self? And we can put on the new, not only for our sake, but for the sake of the world. To be salt and light in our neighborhood, in our workplace, in our city and around the world. And It begins by coming before Christ and saying, I'm going to make space for you. I'm going to set time aside. I'm going to enter into these spiritual practices to allow your Holy Spirit to heal me, to transform me and cultivate the Christ-likeness that will set me free. I want to recommend two books as I close. That I, if you're interested in going on this journey, I'd heartily recommend them. The first is our friend John Mark Comer, his new book, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. That these spiritual practices so often begin with actually refusing to obey the master of busyness and hurriedness. And then secondly, the book I've been reading this last two months, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete and Jerry Scazzero. But church, this is a time where the Holy Spirit is calling us into deep change. And it begins here. Transformed people, transform the world. That we may be salt and light. to Jesus Christ in all things. May, may we pray. And so, Father, we come to pray now. We invite you now just to fill us with your spirit. We make space even now to step into this call to be transformed, to be healed, to be renewed, transformed people, transform the world. And I just invite you now just to come to him and say, Lord, I want to change in this area. I want to leave this behind. This is not who I now am in Christ. And take me on the journey of these spiritual practices that simply just set time aside to make space in my life for your presence, to heal and to renew, to encourage, to challenge, to tear down and to build up. Come Holy Spirit. breathe into us the life of Christ. In Jesus' name.